Hey, I'm Pastor Larry Cole, and you're listening to Torchbearers. Today I want to talk to you about the tabernacle of David being restored on the earth and us experiencing it in these last days in an overwhelming experience. Um, So I'm going to read real quick out of Psalm 100 because this holds the key um, to what I'm, I'm talking about. Psalm 100, starting at verse 1, it says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness is to all generations. So it's a real short psalm, but that psalm holds so many keys to the tabernacle of David uh, being overwhelmingly seen and experienced by the entire world in the last days. So let's start here. Uh, One thing that I have seen uh, in the church, and this this goes back for decades, is we have a hope waiting for us in heaven. Um, We preach salvation, people get born again, they come to the altar, they cry out to God, they have an encounter with the Lord, and even faithful Christians, they uh, set in place Uh, a time of prayer every day, a time in the Word. They spend time with the Lord. They're they're really true worshipers. Um, But there is a weariness that's in the body of Christ concerning the Lord's return. And the Apostle Paul warned us about this. And and he said that the biggest reason that God is holding back uh, the return of Jesus is because he is uh, long-suffering, that he's wanting people to come to repentance. So we would think that if there's more time um, before Jesus returns, then there's more time for people to turn to Jesus. The problem with a lot of Christians that I see is we've set our hope on getting to heaven. We set our hope on Jesus's return. So where our hope is, but it's not coming to pass, that hope is deferred, and as a result, it makes the heart sick. So we're seeing patterns within the church that a lot of people, their hearts are growing sick. Um, You've heard people say that uh, they are homesick or they are lovesick. Uh, It means that their hope is in somewhere or someone who they're unable to be with, and as a result, they are grieved um, in, in missing that place. They are grieved because they have a love for that person or that place that is not being experienced. So we have this hope in the church for the return of Christ and for the church to be gathered into heaven together, but that hope is being deferred. It's being delayed. It's being put off and it's causing many within the church to become sick in their hearts and that sickness is causing a a spiritual disease it's causing spiritual sickness spiritual tiredness and weariness within the church well the last half of that verse proverbs 13 12 it says a longing fulfilled is a tree of life 
So there is a true longing within much of the church. They're longing to be with Jesus. They're longing to experience his presence. They're longing to be in heaven with the church. Um, but what we're not hearing preached in the majority of churches is the experiential presence of God on the earth now. How we can get in the presence of God, how we can experience Him, how we can hear His voice, how we can feel His love flooding uh, into our spirit and into our souls. So His coming is deferred, but His presence isn't. Jesus left us, but He sent His Spirit back. So no, there's not this physical uh, touch that I can experience with Jesus, but there is this soulish and spiritual indwelling that I can have with the Holy Spirit. And according to Jesus, that is much more valuable than physical Jesus being with us on the earth because the flesh is fading away. It's, it's, um, it's temporary. But the things of the soul and the spirit, those things are eternal. Those are the things that we will experience God with uh, for all of eternity, our soul and our spirit. So I just want to encourage you, friend, don't let your hope be deferred. Stop looking to a time and a place when we will be with the Lord. Yes, there is a time when he will return and we rejoice in that. But set your hope every day on his experiential presence that is waiting for you. Just like we just uh, read in Psalm 100 verse 4, we enter his gates with thanksgiving, we enter into his courts with praise. So God has not held back his presence from us, and I do not have to wait for Jesus to return to experience him. Luke 7, verse 26 through 28, Jesus said, there's no greater prophet than John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom is greater than him. And then also in John chapter 8, Verse 56, Jesus said that Abraham was overjoyed to see my day. So I just want to encourage you out of this sickness that is coming from hope deferred. Um, there is no greater prophet than John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom is greater than him. So we would think, man, I would have loved to have been there in the days when Jesus walked the earth, when John the Baptist was baptizing at the Jordan because they could physically see him, they could physically touch him, their ears would hear what his voice sounded like. And, and these things are, are fabulous, they are phenomenal. But Jesus said the least in the kingdom is greater than him. So first, why did he say that there's no greater uh, prophet than John the Baptist? Because all the prophets long to see the day that Jesus would be born of a virgin and would walk on the earth. All the prophets saw that Jesus, God, would come in the flesh and walk on the earth. They longed to see that day. Well, John the Baptist was a prophet in the present day of Jesus being on the earth. So John the Baptist was getting to see the fulfillment of what all those prophets in the Old Testament had seen. So all those prophets in the Old Testament, they were hoping for a day when God would come and put on flesh and he would walk the earth. And if they weren't careful, they would grow sick, just like the church is now, waiting on the return 
of, of or waiting on the coming of Christ in the flesh. But John the Baptist saw it, so that made him greater than all the prophets before him. But it says, the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Well, wait a minute. John the Baptist is the one that baptized Jesus. He's the one who saw the dove descending and resting upon Jesus. He's the one who declared him to be the Lamb of God. How can we be better than John the Baptist? Because John the Baptist experienced those things by the Holy Spirit resting upon him, but now the church can experience those things by the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not dwell within men. It wasn't until the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came and lived within people, lived within the church, and we became the temple not made by hands. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's what makes us greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist did, was not the temple of God. He was a prophet and he was the forerunner of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit did not live within him. And then the other verse, John 8:56, Abraham was overjoyed to see my day. Abraham was looking forward to the day when Jesus comes. So I wanna encourage you, church, all of heaven wishes that they were here on the earth at this time in history. So if you had to choose a day all the way from the first day of creation um, up until the, the return of Jesus um, at his second coming, when would you have want, wanted to have lived? I think the majority of the church would say, I would want to be on the earth when Jesus was here. But friend, all of heaven has waited for this day. Just like Abraham was overjoyed to see the day that Jesus would come and walk the earth, God in the flesh. Even now, all of heaven is overjoyed to see the day that we live in, to see the day that the tabernacle, the dwelling place of the Most High in every born-again believer around the earth, I'm talking about a billion or more people that are born-again believers, that the Holy Spirit dwells within, that the tabernacle on the earth isn't just in Jerusalem, it isn't just in Israel, but it is in Israel, it's in America, it's in Iran, it's in England, it's in South Africa, it's in Kenya, it's in Australia. The tabernacle of God is everywhere. It's on every continent. And all of heaven is rejoicing about this day. So I want to encourage you, friend, you've got to find those who are absolutely on fire for Jesus. You've got to find those who have not grown sick because their hope is deferred. They've not grown weary because their hope is deferred, but they are pressing into the presence of God. They are getting into his presence with thanksgiving. They're entering into his courts with praise. These are those that are experiencing the presence of God. They are experiencing the love of God. They are being set on fire for Jesus. As a result, they are sold out. See, King David, caught a vision of what heaven was like. He knew that heaven was filled with constant prayer. It was filled with constant worship. And that was the driving force behind David in establishing his tabernacle on the earth. It was, it was non-stop prayer and worship. 
Uh, it's estimated that there were 4,000 full-time musicians and singers that were um, working the Tabernacle of David. 4,000 in one small area that were constantly 24-7, no matter what the weather was. They were worshiping God. They were praising God. They were giving thanksgiving to God. There were dancers. There were singers. There were musicians. And there was the glory resting on the ark. David was trying his best to to uh, imitate what was going on around the throne room. Somewhere, somehow, David caught a vision of this and he was recreating it on the earth. In Acts chapter 15, Peter is quoting Amos when he says, the tent of David, which had fallen after David's life, would be restored. Amos prophesied that, that there would be a time when the, ta the tent of David would be restored and, and when he said this in Acts chapter 15, they were having a discussion about the Gentiles receiving salvation and, and what should be expected of them to walk with God. And, and I love it. Peter quoted Amos and he said, The tent of David, which had fallen after David died, it would be restored. So what is the difference between the tent of David and Solomon's temple or the tabernacle of Moses or Herod's temple. Well, the, the three, Herod's temple, Solomon's temple, and the tabernacle of Moses, only one man was allowed into the Holy of Holies. Only the, the, the priests were allowed to go into the holy place. Only the Levites were allowed to oversee the uh, sacrifice of the animals. The difference between those three dwelling places of God and the tabernacle of David is that everybody got to experience his presence. Everybody that would come near, everybody that would call on his name, everybody that would walk up to the hill where the, uh, David's tent was pitched, they got to see the glory of God. And this is what Peter is talking about in Acts chapter 15. The tent of David will be restored now in these last days. And it started in the book of Acts that the tent of David has been restored, that the glory is coming into us as the Ark of the Covenant. We are the Ark of the Covenant that the blood is sprinkled on, that is dwelled within by the manna from heaven, the jar of manna that Moses put in the Ark of the Covenant. Also the Ten Commandments, God said, I will write my law upon their hearts. We are the tablets, the stones of the Ten Commandments. And Aaron's rod that budded. What was Aaron's rod that budded? It was a dead stick that came off of an almond tree, but when the presence of the Lord got near it, it blossomed and it came to life and blooms came out on it. That is the priesthood being restored. That is the, the tablets of stone with the commandments of God written upon them. And that is the manna from heaven inside the mercy seat. And that is the identity of every believer. God has called us to be the mercy seat where his glory could dwell. So this is David's tabernacle. He caught a glimpse of heaven and the throne room. He saw what was going on there and he tried his best to recreate it. And it worked. The glory of God was there. David rejoiced 
because he had got the Ark of the Covenant up to up the hill, up to Jerusalem, and he was able to give it a shelter. In fact, David even said, I will not sleep. I will not even go to bed until I make a resting place for God. And friend, this is the cry of the church that, that is in heaven right now, crying out with the Holy Spirit to the church on the earth, make a place for Him. Make a place for Him. Don't let your soul rest. Don't let your mind be at ease. Stir up the faith that is within you to bring back the tabernacle of David on the earth, that the earth can begin to see the glory of God once again. So what are the two biggest attributes about the throne room? Well, other than the presence of God, the presence of the elders, the presence of seraphim and cherubim and angels and God and Jesus himself, the atmosphere is created by consistent prayer and worship. So when I say find those who are on fire, sold out, committed, dedicated to him, staying close to him, this is what I'm talking about. A people that are focused on prayer. And prayer isn't just petitioning God and asking him and crying out for things. Prayer is that consistent fellowship with Him. It's knowing Him. It's learning from Him. It's walking with Him. It's abiding in Him. And then worship. God is raising up a a worship and prayer movement on the earth. Right now, there are more places of prayer on the earth than any other time in history. More. There is more prayer going up from the earth to the throne room right now more than any time in history, possibly all of history the last 6,000 years put together did not have as much prayer going up to heaven as there is right now. And then there's a worship movement that's also stirring. The two go hand in hand. And I'm not just talking about a house of prayer. I'm not talking about a prayer room. I'm talking about an identity. Prayer and worship isn't just something we do. It's an identity. If you are not known as a prayer warrior, if you don't know yourself as a prayer warrior, friend, I challenge you now, get into the presence of God, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you two things. Number one, that Jesus is interceding for us. Why is he interceding for us? Because he's an intercessor. What is an intercessor? It's someone who stands in the presence of God on behalf of man. This is his identity. Jesus, even now, is praying for you individually to the Father. Jesus is interceding for his church. And then we have the Holy Spirit who prays for us. The Holy Spirit is praying to God on our behalf. He's praying things that we don't know of. So the Holy Spirit is an intercessor, someone who prays to God on our behalf, and so is Jesus. That's two-thirds of the Trinity. So if the Bible's calling us to be like Christ, then we should want to be what two-thirds of the Trinity is, and two-thirds of the Trinity is an intercessor. And then concerning worship, Jesus said there's coming a time when the true worshipers, those who have the identity, those who have the stamp on them that this is who they are, This is who the Holy Spirit has made them. They are worshipers. They are worshipers of God. They are giving Him praise. They are giving Him thanksgiving. They are giving Him their heart. They are crying out in songs and hymns and glorifying His name. This is an identity. It's not about a song. It's not about a service. It's about who we are, worshipers of God. 
The identity is not a song or a prayer. It's a worshiper and it's an intercessor. So I want to look at Psalm 100 verse 4. Again, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. So we have the ability to enter into his gates. Who's his? The Lord God himself. Enter into his gates. What is his gates? His gates are the outer surroundings of heaven, the outer surroundings of the throne room. How do we get in there? We get in there with thanksgiving. So Proverbs 18:16 says, "A man's gift makes room for him." A man's gift makes room for him. So for example, if you were to go visit a loved one, um, or even if someone was just inviting you over for dinner, you might stop at the grocery store on your way over or somewhere and, and pick up some flowers to take to them. If they just moved into their house, you might take them a housewarming gift. So your gift makes room for you in their house. And your gift brings you before great men. That's Proverbs 18, 16. So what is the gift that we can bring God that will allow us to get into his gates? So this is comparable to ancient Israel. In the cities, they would uh, surround the cities with walls. And then there would be one or two, maybe three entrances or gates that would allow you entrance into that city. Well, people didn't just walk in and out as they pleased. But the men of the city, like the town council, those who had authority, they would sit at the gate and keep an eye on everybody who was coming and going. And they had every right to ask someone, what is your business here? What are you doing here in town? Why are you here? Do you have family here? Do you know people here? Are you here to buy our goods? Are you here to sell your goods? And if you were there to sell your goods, <coughs> They had every right to inspect your goods and make sure that your goods were of the quality that they would want in their city. They weren't just bringing in things made in China, junk, but if, a, if the town council wanted their city to be known as a good city, they would make sure that quality goods were being sold in that city. So the men at the gates would be able to inspect the product that was coming in. So if people coming into the city had good things with them, even good intentions or good products, then the men at the gates would open the gates and allow them to come in and allow them to do business there. So it's the same way with God. So what is my gift unto God? It is my words. Thanksgiving is words. And we've got to realize that in the spirit realm, in the realm of the spirit, our words have substance. So how do we get through God's gates? It is with thanksgiving. It is with praising his name. It is with blessing him. We enter into his courts with praise. That word courts there doesn't mean like a judge's court. It actually refers more to a courtyard. So when we would enter into the gates of a city, that's very general. But within that city, if there's a rich man who has a house, with a courtyard, a place where there's like flowing water and beautiful plants and there's shade, then they would set out food and drink for their guests and they would sit in the courtyard and they would enjoy each other's fellowship. So if we are going to enter into the more intimate places with God, his courtyard, we have to go there with praise. 
And that word praise is the Hebrew word tehila, which means a hymn. Isaiah 61.3 says, Put on the garment of tehila or praise, for the spirit of heaviness. So, tehila is a hymn, and hymns, uh, so what the Lord is saying is that you can be such a worshiper uh, in your identity that it's like a garment that you wear. Put on the garment of tehillah, of hymns and songs, for or to replace the spirit of heaviness. That heaviness there has to do with blurred vision. It has to do with like the twilight in the evening when the sun is setting, you can't see as good as when the sun was uh, high in the sky at noon. It also means lukewarm. So just like when the sun is at its highest place during the day, it's the hottest time of day. When the sun is on the opposite side of the earth, it's the coldest time of the evening. In between that is lukewarm. So God is telling us in Isaiah 61.3, if you don't want this spirit of lukewarmness on you, put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of hymns and songs. Start singing to the Lord. Sing unto Him and you'll find yourself uh, getting lost in these songs and in these hymns you'll find yourself entering into God's courtyard, the place of intimacy, the place where very few come. And then the rest of that verse says, be thankful to him and bless his name. The word name there means reputation. Bless his reputation. Declare that Jesus has all that he uh, ransomed and redeemed through the cross, through his sufferings, and through his resurrection. So last, there's a gift of thanksgiving that makes room for us in his presence. Words have substance in the realm of the spirit. So friend, I just want to encourage you in the realm of the spirit, your words are not just a breath. They're not just things formed by the movement of your mouth, by your vocal cords, but in the realm of the spirit, your words are actual solid substance. And that solid substance is your gift to go before God for him to make room for you. To bring you before uh, the verse Proverbs 18, 16 says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Your words are substance that can bring you before a great God. So I just want to encourage you. Um, just run into the presence of God. Find those who are absolutely on fire for Jesus. We need each other right now. If your fire is a little dim one day, but you're hanging out with somebody whose fire is burning bright, that heat is going to rub off on you. God's going to keep you out of that heaviness. He's going to keep you out of that lukewarmness. Uh, the Holy Spirit in those around you is going to encourage you. Iron's going to sharpen iron, and you're going to find that within just a few minutes of being in the presence of those who are absolutely passionately in love with Jesus, that what is on them is going to get on you. And the Holy Spirit within you is going to be stirred up by what they have to say and by their pursuit of God. So I just want to encourage you, friend, go after God, enter into his gates, and then find a place of rest in his courtyard and in his fellowship. God's raising up a prayer and worship movement in the earth. Make sure you're a part of it. God bless you. If you need anything, let me know. I love you and I'm praying for you.